G'day everyone, welcome to this new episode of Creation Talk, and this time we're going to discuss who designed the designer or who created God. Now my name is Dr. Jonathan Safety from Australia, and with me is my fellow Australian Gary Bates. G'day everybody. So where do we get this question from then? It seems like something you'd hear in a Sunday school class, and fair enough. Uh, well, I found on, on ministry, and I know you speak in as many churches as I do, that this is one that teens often come up with. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, if, if God's the creator who created God, mm-hmm. uh, and actually a lot of them get their idea from some of the world's most famous skeptics who mm-hmm. like to use this question as kind of a club to beat Christians up with. I, I want to read a couple of quotes. I know yeah, you'd be familiar with these. Yeah. So atheist uh, Christopher Hitchens, who <clears throat> died a few years ago. So He's not an I, atheist anymore because he died not long ago, right? Yeah, I think you're probably right there. So he says the postulate of a designer or creator only raises the unanswerable question of who designed the designer or who created the creator. Then he says religion and theology have consistently failed to overcome this objection. I don't think we have. I just think he just doesn't accept the answer. And then skeptic Philip Adams, an Australian, mm. He says the great argument for God is that there had to be a creation uh, beginning. But my objection was simple. If God was the beginning, who began God? And I think uh, he says when he asked that question as a kid, he got a clip over the ear for that, asking that one. Which is a terrible thing to do, by the way, because if your kids are asking questions, it means they've got a better chance of actually having their own faith as opposed to borrowing your faith, which I believe once they leave the family nest, and we've got articles on that on the website about the surefire way of knowing whether your kids are actually thinking about the faith. Yeah, uh, in fact, we used to play uh, kind of uh, role play around the dinner table sometimes. Mm. I'd say to my kids, if somebody asked you this, how would you answer? No, that's good. Uh, yeah. You know, to make sure that we did have answers to those questions. But oh, one uh, other atheist, uh, of course, is Richard Dawkins. He's been, he's been dining out on this question for, for decades now, as if no one has actually answered it. Yeah, and uh, Christian theology has adequately uh, answered this. One of the reasons we ask this question, um, Jono, is because we are time-bound creatures, right? Right, The existence kind of time, I suppose, in a linear fashion. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a yesterday, today, and a tomorrow. Yeah. And, of course, there's a scientific principle at stake here. Mm -hmm. So uh, you being the scientist, I'll let you explain it. Well, the the real argument that Christians have been using uh, for centuries now is not everything has a cause, but everything which has a beginning has a cause. And uh, the Bible tells us that God is outside of time. He is the creator of time. Therefore, beginning doesn't apply to a timeless, above-time being like God. Yeah, so just explain that. Everything which has a beginning has a cause. So here we are in this uh, radio station. Mm-hmm. Uh, the microphone has a beginning. You and I has a, have a beginning. Yep. Uh, My told me so anyway, yeah. Yeah, well, the universe must have a beginning. Now, everything which has a beginning has a cause. Yeah. So whether you're a Big Banger or a creationist, you believe that the universe had a beginning mm-hmm. and it had a beginning in time and therefore yeah. using the skeptics or the materialists own definition, the universe must have had a cause, surely. Well, that's what we'd always think. Anything else we would uh, we see coming into existence, if you got something on your plate, a banana appearing suddenly, you'd say, well, where did that come from? You wouldn't say, oh, it had no cause, it just came for no reason whatsoever. You'd look, well, what 
where did this banana come from? Did it come from somewhere else, or was it made on the plates, or mm. or teleported? You know, you wouldn't actually say, well, it came without a cause. So why is the universe the only thing that comes into being without a cause? Why didn't just a banana come into being? Okay, you know, and you know? Uh, and this is a really interesting point. I think something Christians can use because, um, you know, the atheists love to talk about naturalism, mm. science, and evolution, but yeah. here they resort to their own supernatural event because. People would say, well, what was God doing before creation? But I'd say, well, what was nothing doing before the Big Bang? Mm -hmm. Because they have everything coming into existence um, out of basically nothing. You know, nothing became everything, which I might sound a bit glib and simplistic, but mm -hmm. that's really the basis of their argument. And they also believe time came into being at the Big Bang. So they have a beginning of time and the space time, and the space universe as well. They matter. Everything came into being at the Big Bang, uh, which, came, which started for no reason whatsoever. That's what they think. Yeah. Mm. So when we think about time, you know, here on the Earth, we have a, a light source that rotates. That's a day. So mm -hmm. we have to have these physical properties, atoms that form planets and stars and so on. Right to measure time or define time in our little area of the neighborhood. But mm. here's the point. If the before the universe existed, there was no time. This is timelessness. That's what and I say. And, of course, yep. the very first passage in the Bible says, in the beginning God mm. created the heavens and the earth. And we right. can break that down and quite simply understand that God was must have been there before he created the heavens and earth. So God himself mm is a timeless being. Now, either matter can somehow spontaneously appear out of nothing mm. and you know form itself into complex stars, planets, and people, mm. uh, or there has to be a supernatural being before the creation who brought it into existence. Well, that, that also when you go to John 1, John 1 actually um, goes to Genesis 1 in the beginning, but it points out Jesus is there at the beginning. Yeah. Only verse 3 do we actually get to the creation. So there's an example. What was God doing before he created the world? Well, Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in a perfect fellowship of love in this timeless state of eternity mm. past before um, creation began in verse 3 of John 1. Yeah. Now, just to define the type of eternity we're talking about, mm. because I think this is a little bit different to the eternity that we will experience mm. in the resurrection in the new heavens and earth, this is a timeless eternity. You know, right. one of my favorite passages in mm -hmm. all of Scripture is when God speaks to Moses in the burning bush. Mm. You know, what should I say to the Hebrews when you send me? And he says, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Mm. I just am. Right. I am. I'm self-existent. Self yeah. And uh, Jesus said to Abraham before Abraham began, I am. He says he's claiming the divine divinity for himself by using God's eternity, applying it to himself. Yeah, I actually have catalogued uh, a lot of those I am statements. And I don't think it's an accident that Jesus categorically says about himself so often, I am the way, the truth, and the, uh, the life. You know, I am the resurrection. I am, I am, I am. I think he is referring back to right. God the Father. Sometimes the English translations put I am he, but the Greek says ego am me, which definitely just says I am. So it's clearly a reference to the divine name and that God revealed to Moses. Yeah. So understanding, looking at the universe we have, I think that kind of also reminds us about Romans one twenty. Mm -hmm. The naturalists have everything coming into being. The universe looks like it's divinely ordered. We can discuss things like the anthropic principle, which yeah. – you know, there's about 120 examples you can use that give the impression that the universe is finely tuned for 
human life on the earth, the universe. Right. And, you know, in our own local neighbourhood, we can look at the recession of the moon, mm -hmm. just moving a couple of centimetres away from the earth. Yeah. But even a million years ago, it would have been so close to the earth, we'd have these enormous tides washing on the shore and washing off. And then we've got the Goldilocks zone. Mm. So we're just in the right position around the sun, so we don't have water freezing or water boiling. We've got water as liquid, which is very important for living things. And some of these, this fine tuning is so fine that, in fact, there's a very narrow range for atoms themselves to be able mm. to form. So it's not a matter of, oh, it's life as we know it or life as we don't know it. It's a case, can even atoms form or molecules form? And most of the combinations wouldn't even allow an atom to form. Yeah. Really, if people can leave their their uh, their scepticism and their predisposition to atheism and naturalism aside, mm -hmm. just take a big step back. The universe looks like it's been designed. It does. Everything which has a beginning must have a cause. That's a scientific principle that they would adhere to and subscribe to. Anywhere else they would if they saw a signal from outer space with information. Oh, well, clearly it came from an intelligent source out there, right? Um, yeah. Archaeological find something. Oh, it's clearly been designed by some human. It didn't arise by itself, by wind and air erosion. Yeah, so um, if the universe must have a cause, there's got to be a cause giver. And it has to be someone that's outside of our time and space dimensions. Right, so it must be a non-material and not time-bound cause. That's the logic we're seeing here. And let's face it, the Big Bangers have this idea of a singularity. Singularity, they say, is where the laws of physics break down. So they've got to, they can't take their naturalism past the Big Bang singularity. So they've got a problem as well. Yeah. So when I talked about their uh, natural tendency to naturalism, there's a quote by Professor Paul Davies. He's written mm -hmm. a lot of books. Uh, oh, yeah. He claims to be an atheist. But he wrote this some years ago. He said, the temptation to believe that the universe is the product of some sort of design a manifestation of subtle aesthetic and mathematical judgment is overwhelming. Mm. But he doesn't believe there's a God who did it. Well, because if there's a God who did it, he'd be accountable to that God. Uh, and that's why we always... Oh, yeah. okay. So, now we're getting to the crux of the problem, yeah. aren't we? So that's why every creation magazine, people, we want to make people believe there's a creator, but they want to say, well, how do I get right with this creator? So we present the gospel in every creation magazine and every creation talk with got some gospel relevance too, right? So Yeah, now there's somewhere else we can veer into here, mm. Jonathan, because uh, skeptics, you know, not only using this argument, but they'd like to say things like a miracle or that things like miracles are also a violation of this natural law that they adhere to. But science could actually show us when a miracle has taken place. I think so. And also it's good to think of miracles as an addition to the laws, not a violation of the law I mean, think of the virginal conception. Uh, God created a fertilized egg using Mary's DNA and provided by the Holy Spirit. But then after that, it grew as a normal embryo, fetus, was born in a normal way, mm -hmm. grew to, to manhood the normal way, you see. So it's an addition to the law, not a violation of them. Right. So God created the universe. Mm -hmm. He created matter, mm -hmm. atoms, and he's enacted his will upon that. So when yes. Jesus turns water into wine... Isn't he basically doing the same thing? It is God's will being enacted upon the mm -hmm. matter that he created anyway. Well, that's right. And that was clearly a miracle. And the people knew there was something very unusual because you leave the West best wine to last normally. And sure. And, mm. uh, of course, when we ask people what was, uh, was uh, Jesus' first miracle in the Scripture, they usually refer to the wedding at Cana. Mm -hmm. And yet that was supposed to be the first sign to his disciples in his earthly ministry because I've already mentioned John 1, 3. 
where he created everything, right? So Exactly. So, in fact, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jesus' first miracle was creation. It says in Colossians 1, he is the creator mm-hmm. and continues to uphold it by his word. So, Jonathan, when we look at the universe, mm. I think this is the concept that people struggle with. They, and again, it's this man-made thinking mm-hmm. where time-bound mm-hmm. creatures, and it's like, wow, you know, the universe is so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't it just a waste of space? But here's the thing. If God doesn't exist in time, mm. um, is the universe kind of hard for him to, to make? I mean, let me put it this way. If I wanted to go and build a garden shed, mm-hmm. and let's say it takes me a month to build, mm. right? Yeah. I've just defined the time it took. Mm-hmm. But now let's say I want to build a mansion and it takes me six years to build. Mm. Well, I'm going to naturally think it's harder because it took longer. Mm. But if God doesn't exist in time and space, surely it doesn't take him any longer to make a big universe or a small one. Well, it's interesting with debate. And um, most church fathers believed in six literal days, but there were people like Augustine who said, well, God doesn't need time, so he must have created it in an instance. And Martin Luther actually rebuked such theologians for saying, well, the Bible says six days, that's what we should believe. Even if you want to claim it's an instant, the Bible says God actually took his time, six whole days, to make everything. But it's not God's time, is it? I well, mean, when mm. he's created the universe, that is the, the, the time frame reference is the earth and the universe that he created, yes, but it actually takes God no time. I mean, if I wanted to travel to the edge of our Milky Way universe, mm-hmm. we're told it's 100,000 light years across. Yeah. Now, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second, mm-hmm. 300,000 kilometers per second. Mm. It would take me 100,000 years. Yeah. So we have size, distance, mm-hmm. time, Yeah. but actually God's already there. Yeah, God is a creator of space and time, therefore he's not limited by things like the speed of light because... Speed is distance divided by time, so he can't be limited by yeah, it. Yeah, so it didn't take him any time right. to get there. Time is relative to us because we're part of the time-space universe. That and God also made. God wrote the scriptures to teach us. Therefore, what he means is what we mean. That's yeah. how God can communicate, which is also the meaning of the one day is like a thousand years. God is outside time. Even if we are not, God is. That's the meaning of that passage. Yes, not saying 6,000 yeah, and talking about his patience, of course, it's yeah. not talking about uh, creation, etc. So, Jonathan, just uh, let's revisit this concept uh, of what's called the first law of thermodynamics, because as I said, they skeptics love to use naturalism to mm. beat us over the head, but then you know defer to their own supernatural events uh, many times over in their evolutionary model. Well, that's the thing. Um, the, the laws of thermodynamics point to a beginning of the space-time universe because the first law says matter is can't be created or destroyed. Okay, yep. well, so really mass energy, according to Einstein, but mass energy can't be created or destroyed. But the second law says the amount of usable energy is running down or entropy is increasing, yep. you may have heard, you see. So you combine those two, um, it shows if, if the universe had been running down for all eternity, it would have run down by now. Yeah. There should be no useful energy uh, to do anything, which means we couldn't be talking to you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it shows that it must have been wound up wound at up. some definite time in the past, and that's why uh, people want to talk about the Big Bang. They can't escape this idea there was a beginning of the space-time universe. So uh, if your head is reeling uh, with this stuff, uh, I actually love it because mm-hmm. when Me too. we look out, you know, the Bible says the heavens declare the mm. glory of God. We look up and it should give us an example of how incredible he is. We've said that God was before 
the physical universe that he made. He is timeless. He didn't exist for millions of years in the past and millions of years in the future. That's irrelevant to a, a timeless uh, creator who's beyond the time-space universe that he, he made. But, you know, we talked about the anthropic principle. Mm. You've talked about scientific laws. I think all this describes that a supernatural being has streamed information. When we look at the, mm. the atoms you mentioned, there's mm. design. When we look at life, the cell, the mm. city of the cell, there's design. But when we even look at it in the grander scale, mm. there is design. Yeah. But I think the most important information that God ever streamed to us was love. Mm, that's true. Yeah, I think love- you said love existed before the Godhead, mm. and that same Creator demonstrated His love in that He died for us. That God Himself came to this earth and uh, sacrificed Himself. Let me read some well-known, a uh, one well-known passage that everybody knows: John three sixteen. It says, "For God so mm. loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish." but have eternal life. And I'd love our listeners to take this one to heart because verse 17, people always or usually don't read out, but I think it's so important. God did not send his son into the world, the world that he created, Jonathan, mm, yeah, yeah. to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He did all the work for us. Well, thank you for all of this. I mean, just to summarize, um, you'll get this comment about this question, who, if God made everything, who made God? If desi- God designed everything, who designed the designer? So it's important to have a good answer, which goes into who God is as revealed by the Bible as a timeless, eternal, loving being who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Mm. Well, we hope this has been enjoyable and informative, answering a very common question, who made God, who designed the designer? If you want to know more, you can go to creation.com for heaps of resources. You can also subscribe to our free email newsletter called the InfoBytes, which will let you know of any startling creation articles coming up, any answers to news items, any creation speakers in your area, and it's totally free. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.